Welcome to the Ashla Knights Blog Talk Radio Show produced by the Knights of Awakening. I'm Derek Thompson. I will be your host today. And we've got a great show planned for today, but it is, uh, well, I would be remiss if I did not um, mention the fact that this is the 10th anniversary of the horrendous terror attacks that took place in New York City. Um, today's a, a, a very solemn day, remembering the innocent that uh, that died that day, the heroes that uh, you know, the rescue workers, the firefighters, the police officers, the um, the average everyday individual who um, did what they could to to provide aid and comfort on that day who lost their lives when those towers came down, who lost their lives in Pennsylvania when Flight 93 slammed into that, uh, that uh, slammed into the ground, and those those soldiers and civilians who perished in, in, in the attack at the Pentagon. Um, we are at war on two fronts because of that day, and while tremendous, tremendous gains have been made since then, uh, we will never forget those who lost their lives and gave their lives on that day and since. So at this time, uh, I'd like to take a moment of silence to remember the fallen. get right into it. We do have a, a fun show today. We're going to get back to basics. We're going to explore all month long the philosophy, practice, and path of the Jedi and the Sith. We're going to we're going to try to have some fun with this. We're going to get into the mythos as the fiction has illustrated and presented, and we're also going to try and find the many real-world correlations where this fantastic mythos was first derived. Um, Star Wars, like many movies that represent the hero and the villain and the heroine and the, the ancient sage who, well, I shouldn't say ancient, but the elderly sage who presents uh, this, imparts this wisdom or special magic to our hero and you know these 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 stories are not just uniquely representative of Star Wars. They're our history. It's our culture. We see this in so many different um, permeations throughout our entire our, our entire cultural span. So uh, it's no wonder why these movies have struck such a chord. People, it's a love affair that people have fallen and uh, have 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 uh, exuded their passion. Over it's that's what it is. It's it's 
you you fall in love with the idea of of justice and righteousness and you know bringing aid and comfort to those or championing championing for the weak and the innocent you know it's 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 a special thing and 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 uh about 10 years ago you know the star wars path had been a very popular one but it it really really proliferated 10 years ago it was a online boom it was almost like philosophical gold was discovered and ironically it was just a retelling of our some of our most precious religious stories some of our most philosophical um lessons and a lot of our scientific uh, uh aspects were presented all in, in history again history were all presented in this this magical this magical retelling of all these things so uh people you know a lot of young folks who probably you know didn't really dive too much into history or religion or spirituality or metaphysics or you know any of these these um ideologies or they watched this and they were touched by it and they didn't understand exactly why they didn't get it but they felt it they all felt it and as they tried to walk these paths there were so many different websites so many different interpretations on the web at that time as they tried to walk this path and discover what it meant to be a jedi or a sith lord they were rediscovering their own roots and we're going to talk we're going to talk a lot about that this month so we're going to start off this week this show is going to be a very fun show we're going to get back to the basics we're going to talk about many of the key aspects of the jedi and the sith we're going to really explore the mythos okay and then uh i think what we'll do on our next show is we're just going to have a contest we're going to it'll be fun we'll get we'll, we'll get to that later on so first, I think we've got two of our most esteemed panel guests, Chaos and Master Edge or David from Oslo Knights. And Justin, whenever you're ready, you can bring them on. Gentlemen, Good morning, are you guys. there? Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Okay. So, here we go. And, and it's, it's, it's fitting that uh, chaos is with us because while chaos and again you'll have to clarify exactly what 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 it is that uh you know you might or might not go by but chaos originally back in the day was or still is I'm not quite sure a Sith lord who has walked the dark path as it was first uh as it was first inspired um as he was first inspired to do so by the movies but has since has since um, discovered his own path, and um, we're gonna, you know, we're just happy to have him online so he can, you know, represent the dark side at least, um, which is a good thing. So we're gonna jump right into this, okay? So we're gonna start off with the very, the, the most fundamental aspect of both the Jedi and the Sith. Um, we're gonna start off with the Force because that's where it all begins. In the Star Wars mythos, okay, the Force is what we would consider, what Christians would consider the Holy Spirit, what uh, Buddhists would consider the, the, the divine breath, what uh, Hindus would consider uh, Krishna. I think, that, is that right, David? Yeah. 
Okay. And um, what metaphysicists would consider life force energy, philosophers, hearkening back to the ancient Greek, would consider, I believe, the ether. So there's all different names for one universal notion, cosmic energy, life force energy. Um, you know, we've talked about this a lot on our website, ashlanites.net, about how close uh, theoretical physicists are getting to actually identifying a energy source, a cosmic energy. I don't think they really realize that. They would never come out and say, we're conducting these experiments to find life force energy. But they're, very, they're getting very close, and, and their search has been moved by what's happening in the, in the, in the particle world. Um, it's a very fascinating. It's a very fascinating time in 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 physics right now because physics are have been and are approaching the same level as Buddhism or Taoism. So it's it's you know the languages are very different, but the you know the essence is 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 very much the same. So we're going to start off with the force. Now in the fiction, the force has been around. The force was. There at the beginning, and, and according to the mythos, the force it brought all things in existence together. It, it it excited matter into being, so it had a big hand in the creation of existence in the galaxy far, far away. It wasn't until, you know, there, there was always uh, people in the galaxy far, far away who were sensitive to... Um, the power of the force. Back then, they were considered "quote unquote" wizards, or um, you know, people who could do extraordinary things, or they had extraordinary ability. It was, you know, it was a fluke thing because you know you couldn't hone it and you couldn't direct it, you couldn't manifest it, but it would, it would, it would uh, present itself, you know, at times of great emotion. So it wasn't until. Um, a group of philosophers on a planet called Python who were, they gathered on this planet who happened to be extra sensitive to this, this, this force. And they gathered, and these were men, these were beings, rather, men, women, whatever. And they gathered, and they discussed, and they philosophized, and they experimented, and it was determined that there was a method in which the force could be tapped into. And it had a lot to do with Remaining calm and being patient and being having having of being of peaceful mind. So at that time, they came up with a set of exercises which involved meditation, which would be used to calm the the calm and bind the the mind, body, and spirit. And this would make the being more sensitive and open to the essence, the power of the universe. And then as they discovered, as they experimented, they discovered that as, as they harnessed this power, they could actually manifest it and they could project it. They could, uh, you know, do, they could, they could take the randomness of their ability and make it more constant. They could, if they practiced even more, they could project it at will. So this led to the formation of the Jedi, which began as a, again, a philosophical order. Through experimentation, discussion, debate, they discerned that there were three parts of the force. There is the living force, the cosmic force, and the unifying force. 
Okay, and this is where we're going to begin today. So as we talk about the force in totality, I think David's with us. I think chaos is having some, some phone issues. When we look at the mythos, when we look at the fiction, we find we find that they are basically uh, uh, debating the power of the universe. They are making sense. Uh, they are basically connecting the dots. You know, all life manifests this power. This power is in all things, animate or inanimate. And this is a divine thing. This is a wonderful thing. This is a thing that should be. This is a thing that should be should be uh, celebrated and 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 chronicled and taught. And when we look at this, we find that maybe as because we all know how Star Wars began began and end ended. We wonder if their interpretation of the Force was right. Was it wrong? Was it indifferent? I don't know, David. What do you think? I think I think I have to go by my own definitions. I, I certainly can't go by what's what's wrote in any book because I haven't experienced it. Uh, so the first thing I think about whenever I'm trying to figure out what is the force is uh, I have to take it into context. What, why do we why do we need the construct, the idea of a force? Um, Jediism as a whole is a is a system of maturation, maturity to grow up to develop uh the force itself is a guideline a tool that will allow you um, a benefit as if growing up wasn't a benefit in and of itself it's that uh that icing on the cake so to speak and and from that we get all these different definitions of of uh what the force is and I'm not I'm not very familiar with what the fiction says on it actually. All I know is what I know. The fiction the fiction describes the force as an energy as an energy that binds, it surrounds, binds and penetrates all living things. Mm-hmm. It sustains, it uh, protects, it sustains, it gives a Jedi his or her power. I think it's a very, you know, that's the you know, that's a summary a loose summary of how Obi-Wan Kenobi in the very first Star Wars defined the Force as he was talking to Luke Skywalker about his father. And it's, you know, it's a very profound, it was a very profound moment because people heard that and regardless of their religion or spiritual practice or, you know, preferred ideology or philosophy, they resonated, those words resonated. Um, It was a very clever way to describe such a universal concept because it was it kind of very it was very ambiguous but it was very direct at the same time so people knew people hey I know what that is that's my that's my god oh that's my that's my this or that's my that or that's my this and, that. and to all people Obi-Wan Kenobi really wasn't lying because you know he was basically talking about you know the essence of life a lot, you know, there's always a debate that you know life does not really have an essence. Life is a, a, a cosmic mutation brought about by conditions and circumstances that uh, culminated in the fluke that is creation. A lot of people find that very hard to believe, or very very hard to accept. So, as we try to, I think chaos is all set over here on the phone. As we bring him in from a dark side perspective. From what well, I should say, from an opposite perspective, at the very least, and 
hearkening back to what you know about the fiction, Chaos, was the Jedi interpretation of the Force wrong or right? What do you think? Um, I don't think it's wrong or right. It's what they prefer. It's just their doctrine, right? I mean, they have an energy field they can use, and, you know, they have their own set of rules and ways of engaging it set up around it, you know? Just like Christianity would have the Ten Commandments, or um, you know, Satan has Satanism has its own commandments and uh, such. It's just a doctrine around different things. As your experience with it uses it, I mean, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna find out what's hurting you. You're gonna find out what's helping you, and your rules are gonna revolve around that. You brought up you brought up Satanism, chaos. I think that's a a, a great springboard to kind of jump off. The interesting thing about Satanism that me personally I find with the no well the construct because it is a practiced philosophy um, is that it was Satanism was never a fundamental religion it was it 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 it, it came about as the antithesis of what was established okay so. Um, when we look at the interpretation of the Force by the Jedi, the the first schism, and we'll get into that shortly, with you know within the the Jedi community where um, one group interpreted the practice of the Force one way and found that they got entirely different results and wanted to explore that a little bit more, which caused the first dark Jedi community to come about. And <laughs> and the first dark Jedi community to come about. Um so when we look at we look at we look at uh, the force and how and, and you just said, well that's just kind of the way they saw it. That it's not right or wrong. It's just the way that they first interpreted and develop their their philosophy and practice. All right. Well, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. David, let me ask you this. When we look at the cuz you know, the Jedi associated the connect the communion and connection of the Force with peace and benevolence, when you look at the dark side connection, which is uh passion and power, strength and and and, and all that, is there is there a wrong way or a right way to interpret the force, or are they just both one? Are they two pieces to one big um, entity? What do you think? Two pieces to one big entity. Um, yeah, it's all it's all an orientative deed uh, to to go about to go about this. And some people are self centered, and other people are they they think maybe that they are. Uh, service centered towards other people so depending depending on your orientation which uh, which uh, which set of you know qualities most uh, most describes you would be the path that you're most comfortable with but I, I do believe they most certainly end up at the same place well the interesting thing about having two aspects to one construct is that the force actually has three properties to it as discerned by the ancient Jedi. There are three properties and they are listed as the living force, the cosmic force, and the unifying force which all uh, uh, 
coalesce into the one abstract being the force, okay? Now, it's interesting because we have two pieces, two aspects to one concept, but three different parts of that concept. So when we look at how this is broken down, the ancient Jedi associated the living force with life, that which, you know, we interact with every single day, being each other, um, plants, animals, you know, flora, fauna, that sort of thing. The cosmic force, which is described in much of the fiction as to where a Jedi derives his or her power, which is the power of creation, the actual power of, um, I don't want to say existence, but creation in the sense that uh, you're sort of approaching the orbit of the universe because you've got the planets, you've got the you've got the energy field that sustains um, all things in the cosmos. Okay, to put it shortly, so you're basically tapping into the cosmos to derive your power, to bring your power to bear, and then you have the unifying force, and the unifying force is a totality of all of it. It's very interesting when we look at real world, we look at the real world um, uh, sources of possible inception we have, or inspiration rather, we have a cosmic three, we have a divine three, which in Christianity you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the living force could easily be be related in Christian terms to the Son. The cosmic could easily, well, we have the Father, the Son, uh, yeah, the cosmic could easily be related to the to the Father and the unifying force to the Spirit. Um and, you know, to kind of explore that is to go into George Lucas's mind. But I wonder, Chaos, do you think that that was the intent when he was creating this this um, this magical energy field that he would, you know, use as the uh, the source of, of the Jedi and the, and the Sith power? Was that – do you think that that's a – you know, he's, is he trying to bring some divinity to this abstract? And if so, well, let's start off with that. What do you think? Do you think that that, that that was his intent? Um, I don't know, because as I recall, the the three tiers there that you just mentioned didn't come in yep. until the fictional works of the book, so I don't know if that was George Lucas or somebody else. Of course, he probably approved it, but he got paid anyway, so it doesn't really matter. He may have only so much interest. As, yeah, 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 it's fine. But I, I guess uh, I don't think he had it planned. I think it's just something that happened, and uh, you know, he happened to just not make us think about it. Okay, and my next and my follow-up question to that would be, from your studies, uh, from your studies and your experiences on this path, would you would you break the force or the life force energy down to, into those those three key elements: the living force, the cosmic force, and the unifying force? Do you think that's an accurate um, division of of the force? Um. As far as I actually study the Force, uh, no, I wouldn't. I would see no point to it. Um, if it if it makes you feel better, go ahead. But you know, basically, I ba- I, I don't know. I, if people need the tears, follow them. I I would I see real very little point in it. You know. So you look at it as a totality of the you know you look at it as a, a a culmination of just one one for it, the Force is just one thing. It's just one. Okay. Well, if you say it's an energy field that surrounds and binds and penetrates everything, what more needs to be said? You need three tiers, really? 
I mean, what more needs to be said? It's an energy field that's everywhere, all the time, forever. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> David, what do you think of that division, that div- that divine division and that divine correlation with um, the Father, Son, and the Spirit? Do you think that's accurate? And and do you what do you think of the division of the force? Do you think that 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 the force needs to be classified in those three different tiers? I think people love the bundle attributes. Um, we put we put certain things together and we call them gods. We put uh, when, when we define ourselves, um, we use a certain set of attributes that we prefer over all others. But yet, if we look at each one, each one of those is not ourself. You know, I can't I can't say that I am uh, I am humbleness. You know. No one, right. no one can claim to be humble in its itself. Yet they will, they will describe themselves with that word as if, as if that word fits them. So, so no, I, I don't agree. Okay. We have a caller, uh, Justin. You want to bring that person in? Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello. Hello. Who are we speaking to? Uh, my name's Cal. Hi, Cal. How are you today? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I I, I assume you know what we're talking about. We're talking about the uh, the Jedi and Sith philosophies, and we're we're starting off with the with the the most key aspect of both philosophies, which is the Force. Did you have uh, Did you have a comment or or an insight you wanted to share? Um, I don't know. I just kind of want to say that I really like the show, and just I don't know. Well, that's good. We'll take that. <laughs> that's really good. All right. Well, um, if you've got nothing else to add, we're gonna go ahead and finish the show. And if you care to continue, I don't think you hung up. There we go. So feel free as you listen. If you want to jump back in, give us a call back. All right. So. Let's move into some interesting things. Now, we've basically talked about the force. We've talked about its divisions. We've talked about its, um, you know, its, its, its how it's perceived. Let's really get into it. The Jedi look at the force as the source of all, of all life, okay, as do the Sith, all right? But the Jedi employ the force to do good, which is a relative notion, which we can discuss at a later time. They wield the force to to bring justice and righteousness to the universe. And uh, there's a whole list of tenets and precepts that go along with that. Well, there's also, to everything, there's also an opposite. The Sith look at the force the same way, except it shouldn't be something that, uh, to the Sith, it shouldn't be something that is, uh, admired or debated or discussed and used only in case of an emergency behind you break the window and says the Sith believe that the force should be celebrated. It should be employed whenever, well I shouldn't say whenever possible, but it should be employed and not in reserve. The Sith believe that passion, strength, and power are the ways to properly interact and commune with the force. Which side is right and which side is wrong? Chaos, 
And then we're talking, and Cass, we're talking about the fiction here. I, I know that you've kind of moved past that. We're talking about the fiction. From the fictional standpoint, which side is right and which side is wrong in your opinion? Neither. Um, it's just like who's right, Catholics or Protestants. Same thing. Same thing? So it's just well, one, mean, one yeah, con... They just they see it differently, yeah. David, what do you think? I would I would go the same route Chaos just said. It's just different ways of looking at the same thing. When you look at how in the fiction how both uh uh how both groups look at how they perceive how they perceive the force and how they employ it. Mm-hmm. When you when you when you look in contrast to how much damage or good that effect has on a has tangible on others, then can you effectively look at it and say, okay, this side is doing the right thing and this side is doing the wrong thing? What do you think? I could see misconceptions of not having come full circle within the path. Um, anyone that's out there, you know, wreaking havoc, chopping heads off, just causing general mayhem, they have not they have not traveled the path uh, far enough yet because they haven't reached the point where they see the need for other people. Okay. Chaos, what do you think? Um, I think uh, both groups do both. Certainly they do it in the fiction, um, destroy and create. Um, I wouldn't look at one better over the other. Um, you know, when you, were, when you were German, you were under Hitler's regime for a certain amount of time, and then you weren't. And, you know, when you look back, would you say one better than the other? Well, you may. At the same time, I don't know the day-to-day life of your average German. Right? We're talking about two religious sects, essentially. We'll use religion, but you use spiritual sects or whatever, that are essentially at war with each other simply because the other one exists. No real other reason. There's no deep meaning. They, they're just pissed off that the other one's there. <laughs> so... In that sense, they're willing to destroy each other, and there's collateral damage in both. And one takes the stage for a while as your leader, and the other one takes the stage for a while as your leader. But your average day-to-day citizen has to deal with the fallout. So I would say it wouldn't really matter in the context of all of that. Well, I hope I hope a lot of people are gonna are, are listening to this and or will play this back because I think I think you both hit the nail right on the head with that. I have to agree with both of you. I don't think there's a, a right way or a wrong way to interpret and practice the way of the force because there's going to be fallout on either side. There's two two groups here, like Chaos just said, that are bent on annihilating each other. It's like two particles. Just when they collide, it's just annihilation. And it's interesting that they're they're trying to annihilate the the other when basically the other they're reliant upon the other for their existence. Wouldn't you agree, David? Yeah, certainly. Okay. Hey, Derek, if I may. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it, you know, we're talking about going back to basics, and uh, I, I will share a point of view uh, with you, um, one far removed from my point of view now. When I first uh, started getting into the Jedi way and started learning the, the basic tenets, the codes, how the energy worked, I was very much like that. Um, at, at, as I, I would say most people 
from one side or the other are very, you know, when you're limited in, in your exploration, it's very easy to, to say one side is bad, one side is good. We're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And it's, you know, it's a very natural progression to, to think that way um, until you get more further uh, into your, into your you know, philosophy, path, whatever. Um, so, you know, when I look back, I say, yeah, I was the guy that wore the white hat and, and swore to kill every Sith and, 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 and kill all evil and this and this and this, you know, they're wrong, we're right. Uh, I, I just think that that's a good starting point for people. It's just the natural way they do it. Um, same applies for Christianity, Buddhism, whatever. I would agree with that, and I would also add that you know while we you know I don't want to I don't want to send them uh, 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 I don't want to send the wrong message and say that it makes no difference how you perceive a thing because at the end everything is a wash you know on the other side while we have two constructs we have, we have two we have two we have the Jedi we have the Sith we. And they both see it this, you know, differently, and they approach, you know, their their philosophy and practice completely different. And while there's fallout on both sides, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter what you practice or what you do or how you you examine, you know, good or evil. It does. We're human beings. We are. We exist in a plane of of actual of of actuality of tangibles and, you know, how the quality of our thoughts, our motives, and our deeds have an impact, not just on our lives, but the lives of people around us. So while you can look at the construct in a very, you know, in a very kind of middle-of-the-road sort of gray perspective, at the end of the day, there is an action to be taken. There is a choice to be made. Things need to be done. And whether those things are good or bad depends on your character and how you perceive your path. So uh, we have to bear that in mind as well. So we have to not just look at the macro, we also have to keep in mind the micro. And the micro is more important than the macro because that's where we live on the macro level. Micro level, rather. Um, All right, so let's move forward. So we're talking about the Jedi and the Sith. Let's actually get into the Jedi and the Sith. Well, to actualize their philosophy and actually practice what they what they set out to do is which is to be which is to bring a benevolence to the universe, to cultivate peace, calm and and uh, uh serenity out there. They created a order to teach others who are sensitive to to this power uh how to cultivate and manifest it. All right. The Jedi Order was created, and immediately, almost immediately, the Jedi Order married itself to another fledgling um, organization or or development known as the Galactic Republic. All right, and here's another aspect of history that we find we we can we can we can correlate because when we look at the church the christian the christian church when it first came about it came about came about basically during the end of the roman era and when christianity became the dominant religion it in effect married itself to the to the political power of that time which would have been the roman empire okay so we see about 200 years of Holy Roman, 
um, edicts and 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 uh, doctrine uh, from that time, and a lot of very a lot of what can be thought of as backward or inward or very ignorant and unjust practices, such as the Crusades. You know, the need to propagate the entire you know Christian faith as far as far and wide as possible. That evil time came out of it, but it's an interesting it's an interesting correlation. The Galactic Republic, which in any republic, any political body that is the dominant force of that time, any kind of organization stands for order, stability, and structure. And the Jedi believe that order, stability, and structure can internally can be actualized again on the on the micro on the on the macro level. On the on the on the group level, so they thought that the best way for those who weren't sensitive to the force to to its to its its pillars of strength, its tenets, and so on and so forth, would be to to uh, I don't want to say advertise, but uh, to uh, to use the republic as its political arm, and not in a sense to wield power. But to transfer to, to transfer the essence of the Jedi way from from philosophy to ideology, that's the best way I can put it. Now, my question to you, Chaos, is: Do you think that this was? Do you think that this is a, a, a constructive thing for a philosophy and an ideology, a government and a religion to come together for a quote unquote common good? What do you think? Um, I think that uh, if, if you're going to be of service to others, you got to have others to serve, right? So you have to connect yourself to somebody. Um, you know why they would connect to one main political faction? Probably because it was the biggest, right? Uh, but you know, so so they obviously have more influence by connecting themselves to the biggest political faction. Uh, is it okay? Well. It's, I guess. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I guess. I guess it really wouldn't matter, right? I mean, we have people making up rules, right? And it doesn't really matter where the rules come from. You're either going to agree with them or you're going to disagree with them. Um, you know, I, I just think it was a, a move. I, I think it was a move for power because they needed the power of a government that big to have their influence. Right. If I just come to you from a little village and say, no, we're good guys and we'll help advise you and we're really smart and we got this really cool mystical energy field that you don't know about and can't feel, but trust me, it's there. And I think you need our help. Uh, you know, nobody's going to care, but if you have the backing of, say, the United States government, then you give a little bit more credibility. Right. Okay. That's a good point. Uh, David, what do you think? you think this... Um the synergy between philosophy and ideology is a constructive thing, or do you think it's just uh, one big thing, wait, one big bad thing, just waiting to happen? <laughs> no, it, no, it, it's a good thing, and and it has it has bad parts also. But um, you know, like you said, it's a search for power, uh, where the the Sith would be uh, searching for strengths for the individual. The, the Jedi would be searching for strength for the community. Um, the whole story that you read out, of the, that you described out of the fiction, it mirrors uh, the same way 
you know, in, in, a, in a kingdom not so far, far away here on earth where the church was the the the, the power and informed the people and right. it, it shift it shifted into government and now it has moved yet again into money itself uh currency dictates who has power who has strength and who does what and who doesn't so it's all about power and you know as we 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 kind of look at the fiction we actually see the jedi moving exactly into that into that direction because as a bunch of philosophers they don't have they didn't have any money they didn't have a they didn't have one red they didn't have one red republic dactari okay so they <laughs> they married I, I found through my review of the fiction they had married into the Republic, and the Republic called upon them to be their supreme adjudicators of justice and righteousness in the universe. The payoff for that was the Republic foot the bill for their order, their temple, their starships, their transportation in all different forms. They even gave them a healthy bank account. Basically, the bank account was so healthy that um, – I mean, I can't even describe in terms – it would be each Jedi had the – ability to to uh call upon the immediate wealth of Buffett, Gates, uh, uh Wozniak and and I don't know, the Facebook kid. I mean, it was just it was insane the amount of money that they had at their disposal. Um I wonder if that had and, and we find when we we watch the movies and we read the fiction, we find that the Jedi are often serve. They're serving the. They're representing the mandates of a of a government that may not be in step with the philosophy of community support and service. You know, we we find that you know when we read a little bit more, we find the many missions Jedi are sent on. They're not told the full story, or if they are told the full story, they are in a situation where they're actually trying to, in a subtle way, force a resolution so that it is in the best interests of the Republic. So using the correlation of the, of the Catholic Church and the, Roman, and the Roman Empire – not just the Roman Empire. We're seeing the United States Catholic, as David pointed out, the United States, uh, religion in the United States, and many empires and, and, and dominant um, religious bodies in the past. Chaos. Do you think that this, you know, uh, corruption is, you know, uh, corruption, or I shouldn't say corruption, but um, uh, it's sort of like, uh, do you think that with religious and spiritual bodies? Do you think that financial financial how do I want to say this? Uh, I don't know. Uh, financial gains become the paramount concern as opposed to the betterment and welfare of others. Is it just a natural progression? Does this just happen, or do we find ourselves being led astray just because we're simply humans and this is just how we do? I think you can't benefit others without resources. Um, it's just as simple as that. It's, it's not corruption. Uh, corruption is happens when people start, you know, doing 
how should I put it? They just start doing things um, not for others in the sense of they're not helping anybody, right? Their their focus isn't to help other people. Eventually, they want to start helping themselves or helping just a, a certain place. But you can't have you can't help anybody without resources, right? I mean, I can't I can't I can't help anybody if I don't have first myself in line. I can't help anybody if I don't have you know I, if I don't have the time to. You know, if you don't have your own life in order, you're not going to be able to assist anybody. And money is a big part of it, right? I mean, let's look at a church. A church is a business. At its base, they don't they don't survive on hopes and dreams. They survive on a collection plate. Um, if nobody gives, they don't they can't stay open, right? So I guess right. what they did though, in the sense was, is they became the enforcers for a government. So they could have those unlimited resources to help people. The only problem is, is you're now divided between the loyalties to the government that's supporting you right, and right. The people you want to help. And they're not always going. They're never. They're not always. They're never ever going to match up all the time. You know, they're going to be like, "Hey, we're funding this bill. We need you to do this." And they're going to be like, "Oh, we're peacekeepers. Blah 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 blah." They're going to be like, "That's great," but what are we paying you for? And then, you know, the Jedi could be like, oh, well, we're, you know, above all that, we're about helping others. I'd be like, well, let me take away your money for a day and let's see how many people you help. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. All right. Good point. David, what do you think? <laughs> I've already covered what I think on it. Is there anything more specific that you need? Well, uh, do you think that, well, let me let me pose the question in a different way. Do you think that philosophical bodies need to be completely autonomous from any kind of financial backing or, or gain in order for them to truly embody their mission, their philosophy, and their practice? Yeah. Uh, yes. You, you, every every philosophy would have to uh, figure out where it draws its strength from. And if that strength uh, requires... If to exercise that strength requires money, then they're going to have to be tied in. So then you have a compromise, and then you have you know negotiations and that kind of thing. But if if you are fighting for an ideal, then no. Why does why does money have to be there? Well, I wonder because it's interesting. You know, we look at we're looking we're talking about micros and macros here. From a macro standpoint, as a group standpoint. When you you know a mission to actualize a mission, um, you know the mission is what the mission is to bring understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Uh, you're trying to you're trying to present a, a way of 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 existing that um, is harmonious. It's calm. It's uh, it's very serene. And your personal mission is what to to share it, to get it out to as many people as you possibly can, and for and for what for what reason? What reason would you want? Because you want what the universe to be a more calm, mm-hmm. a more serene place. Because if a person, if an individual is living for his or herself's benefit in all aspects of their existence, then that energy will, you know, will 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 you know affect others around them and, and and so on and so forth so yeah that's a good mission but that kind of mission can't be actualized by an individual you know uh 
I mean, it could over over a long time, but the fa- the whole point of a mission is to get a mission done in the in 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 the most uh, you know economical way and time they can. You can. So, how do you do that? Well, you need. It would help if you had some advertising. It would help if you had some some uh, you know transportation and get around a little faster. It would help if you had a few people with you. It would help if they had some advertising and some transportation, maybe some uniforms to help represent the idea and the mission. And now you see how that that kind of grows into a whole movement, a whole group sort of thing. So on the on the macro level, like you said, you have to you know you have to determine what that mission entails and if it's going to be two parts this and one part that and two parts finance and this and this, you got to make that compromise, and that's fine. But what about the individual? What about the individual who wants to live in accordance with those virtues, yet at the same time wants to share that, wants to get that message out? Wouldn't a couple of bucks be a good thing for that person to kind of help get that message out? No? Definitely. What do you think, Cass? Well, well actually, Cass. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, you go right ahead. Go ahead. I think um, one person can get their message out without money. How, how would they do that? Reach, you're only going to reach a very limited group, right? I mean, I, I, could, I could sit here and just go around my neighborhood. I could I could preach on the street. You got the street, you know, the, the street corner preachers. You know, you got services that are held outside, you got Tai Chi in the parks, right? One person doing it. You you can make a difference as one person. It just depends on what level of influence you want to have, right? The Jedi wanted to give this to the galaxy, which was hundreds of freaking worlds. They needed money. Um, I don't need money to send my message if I'm not looking to do it on a large scale. As the scale gets larger and my influence widens, I'm going to need money. You know, it's it's because I can't do it without it at that point. I'm not reaching people on wide scales. I need computers, Internet access, um, uniforms, I guess, would be okay, um, wh- whatever. I mean, you know, it's like we have the Church of Scientology right by me, right? I've Well, that's not right by me, but I can get there pretty quick, and I've actually worked in the building. And that ain't funded on hopes and dreams either. At the same time, L. Ron Hubbard could probably get his message out to just a couple people with no money. But he wouldn't have... Well, he's dead. But he wouldn't have created what he created without people, because I think they give like 10% of their income, um, you know, after they die more. or whatever to Scientology. Oh, more, more, so, more, so, more, yeah. Like I said, they, they need money. They need money. As your influence widens, you need resources. Because, you know, I, I got I to gotta be able to, I got to be able to, advertising isn't quite it. I got to be able to look the part, right? If I'm just right. one guy, a little hobbit guy standing on the corner, I mean, eventually I'll reach some people. But if you have, you know, a nice suit, go look at televangelists, right? They get hundreds of followers, but not necessarily because they show up looking all gross, right? Same right. principle. Right. You know, I like I like the statement, as your, influ- as your influence grows, so does your, you know, your need to... to, to you know, to capitalize on that. I think that's absolutely right. I think that's what the Jedi Order did. Their influences, they were growing, their name was getting out there, their mission was getting out there, and 
quite simply, they needed to be able to to uh, they needed to be able to fulfill that mission. And the fastest way to fulfill that mission is resources. And I think it came down to that. And I think I think that's and I think that's what David. Where I agree, I, well, I agree with both of you guys. But um, I think that's what David was talking about. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when you have things in in in, in you know category you know uh, uh, appropriated where they're supposed to be as far as you know um, you know things are you know, prioritized. This is our priority. This is what we believe. This is what we're gonna and this is what we need. We're not gonna let those needs influence the you know the the priorities and it, it never really works out that way. It, it you know it always comes down to a point at some later date the dollars are more important. The dollars are what counts. And I think we see that with the Catholic Church in large. It's all about the dollars. And even L. Ron Hubbard, it's all about the dollars. Justin, you wanted to come in here with something. Go, go right ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to point out, too, you have a thousand super-powered monks that, that, that you're going to put uh, your faith into to protect you from everything that's evil and bad. You're gonna, as a government body, you're gonna you're gonna give them whatever resources they want, uh, so that you can have your own oversight. You can have your eye on them, your thumb on them, um, and it worked out to the republic's favor because the greatest Sith Lord of all time used that government body with all its money and resources to systematically help the Jedi destroy themselves. Um, you know, uh, if if these sort of people existed today, you better you, you'll bet your ass that the United States, the United Nations, would fund them to keep them under their thumb. That was the one thing that 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 came to mind too about the money. Of course, they got to have money to do all their, their their stuff and travel around, you know, the galaxy, whatever. On an individual basis, that may have been the case, but but overall, uh, I I have to imagine that 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 these these planets were probably scared out of their mind of the Jedi. Uh, and the Sith, um, and you better believe they're not going to just rest on their philosophy, um, because, I mean, think about the common man in the fiction didn't know anything about the Jedi philosophy. They were just hoping to God that these, these guys carrying these laser swords and with all these superpowers weren't going to go destroy everything else. So, you know, for me, I think it was a, it was a lot, uh, it had a lot to do with oversight, um, as you would see in the real world, too. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, you know, we're talking about the Jedi, and we're talking about uh, you know perception and and, and and alignments and philosophies. But you know, early in the Jedi history, you know, people re- people watch most people watch the movies, and they basically get their picture of the fiction from the movies. But there are hundreds of of, of books on on all different uh, levels of of um, you know, there's the for the kids, there's for the adults, there's all types of different things. Uh, before I get onto this next one, do we have Charlie Charles online? Is, does, yes, you do. Okay, buddy. I know you want. I, I, you just joined us late. Did you want to jump in here real quick with something? Yeah, I think I will. Um, okay, go ahead. Justin kind of brought it up, but I think you got to look at it from the political standpoint, not just the common man. You have a thousand yep. super-powered monks carrying laser chainsaws. Because, you know, swords swords can be stopped. Chainsaws can't. You know, the government itself has to be a little bit afraid of these guys. So you've kind of got 
two things going on. Number one, they lend their influence to the government so that the government will give them the means to not have to take anything from them. Because they very easily could at that point. Think about this. Palpatine took the time to build up the largest army that galaxy had ever seen because he knew he would need an army that vast to stand a chance at achieving what he wanted to. He then put that army to war because he knew only in the crossfire would he really be able to reduce the strength of the Jedi enough. So you've got, you've got two sides to this. On the one hand, you have to keep the Jedi in your pocket as a politician. Otherwise, they will just do what they want to do. If they need a transport, then we need that transport. Said with a wave of the hand, we'll get them that transport. It is safer to have them in your pocket. At the same time, the Jedi recognize the importance of that government. They recognize the good that it is doing, and they will help it do the good that it does. But if you remember in Episode 1, it gets spelled out really quickly. A Jedi is not meant to fight a war for a people. Mm -hmm. It is not mm -hmm. meant to do the job of the government. They're meant only to be a kind of special forces. And in that, it creates a little bit of a division. And in that division, you wind up with two things. You wind up that, you know, the Jedi will, will only ask for what they need, granting that what they need won't be very much. Just usually transportation and a place where there's trouble so that they can go help. And by the same token, the government will ask the Jedi to do whatever they need them to do, granting that they only ask the Jedi to do very little, and granting that they give them great leeway to make decisions. If right, you also right. notice, Episode 1, as soon as the Jedi arrive, what happens? They're in charge. They have the government's right. authority. The Jedi, If a Jedi says, we are going through this door, that is the authority of the Jedi, the Grand Council, and the Senate in the hands of that one man or that one woman. So they have a lot of power, each individual Jedi does, because it's a balanced power, and both groups are doing what they can. Palpatine was aware of that. He knew how integrated they were, and he knew the only way to stand a chance was to create so much destruction, so much death and chaos, that there was no way for them to cope with it all at once. That's a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful insight, and we see we see proof, and, and and we see proof of what you say at the end of episode three when Mace Window goes to arrest the Chancellor. He doesn't yep. say in the name of the Jedi Order. He says in the name of the Senate. Yep. So that was that was it, a point. Right, and yep. you, uh, you, you, yeah, that's that that would that would be the culmination of that marriage. I also want to. We got a little bit of time, so I want to kind of speed through this. You know, um, Justin. Uh, hit me up on the Yahoo really quick, and he was like, you know, let's not forget about the Knights Templar, you know, the bad that can come from such a marriage, which we see reflected in Episode 3, at the end of Episode 3. We see that the marriage between the Republic and the Jedi Order came to a crashing end, came to a devastating end. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, can a marriage like that be destined for that kind of, that kind of end? There's no is there there's no other way to separate such ideologies from such dominant constructs that it must end with the absolute annihilation of one or the other. We saw this with the Knights Templar in history. The Knights Templar served 
the Catholic Church. They were the Catholic Church. They were the Delta Force of the Catholic Church at that time. But because they were becoming so popular and, and, and people were giving them so much land and so much wealth, and, you know, history does, does record... History does record arrogance, a great, great level of arrogance on the side of the Knights Templars. Their mission was to protect the roads heading to Jerusalem for pilgrims to, to pray, but there's some, there's some reports, and a lot of it, I don't know, is, is substantiated so much as it's reported in a lot of um, you know, uh, histories, you know, uh, historical accounts, but they were robbing some of these pilgrims. They were pillaging some of these temples. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I I wasn't there. We weren't there. But you know, this is what we read, and and and, and the sources that come from this, the sources that we read this from are, you know, they're they're pretty reliable sources. So, you know, you 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 look at that and you say, you know, the story we know about the, the nice Templars is that the you know the church said, look, you guys are getting way too popular, and you know what? We're kind of hurting for cash. This whole crusade thing is costing us a lot of money. You guys have a lot of money. Why don't you give us a loan? Why don't you give us some money? The Knights Templar said, "No, we're not giving you anything," and that was the end of it. They took from the Jedi Order the uh, the Knights Templar. We see this again illustrated in the fiction. It wasn't so much money that Palpatine wanted; it was information. The Jedi Order, first of all, the Jedi Order on Coruscant sat was positioned on a on what they call a nexus. All right? And we see uh we see this we see this represented in a lot of of um a lot of uh spiritual writings and we also see it represented in a lot of pagan writings. A nexus is an ener- a focal point, an energy point where there's just a lot of 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 uh life force energy focused in in a particular region. And and I can't explain why that happens. It might be, I mean, many people say, oh, uh, massacre or, uh, you know, uh, where ley lines intersect or, you know, a lot, a well of mag, uh, great magnetism. It could be anything. But it's it, it's written that the Jedi Corps, the reason why they put the temple where it was, and if you look at the movies, it's separated from most of the, 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 uh, the metropolitan, the, the, you know, the city, the cityscape. Because that area was a big gaping hole of life force energy, so they popped the they popped the temple on top of it. That was number one. That was one reason why Palpatine wanted the temple, but also because the Jedi Order had the biggest collection of Sith artifacts and Sith holocrons. So, in order to gain access, now Charles is right. There were other reasons why uh, the Jedi Order were destroyed, but a big, re- if not the the top reason, the second reason was that he wanted access to those archives. So we see, instead of currency, we see wisdom or knowledge, which is the same as currency. So we see the whole thing played out again. So it's, it's, it's interesting to, to make that, that, that parallel because the, Knights of the, the, the Templar Knights saw themselves as the authority of the church and the Roman Empire. Well, not the Roman Empire, but the Holy, the Holy Catholic Roman Empire at that time. Or the church. So when they fell, they fell the same way the Jedi did in complete bafflement. Like we are the authority. We are, we are the arm of Christ. We are the will of the church. So, but let's let's move forward. You know, we're talking about the Jedi. 
But we have to, in talking about the Jedi, we have to talk about their opposite. We have to talk about the Sith. And the Sith came about, people see the movies and they look at Anakin Skywalker, the story of Anakin Skywalker, and they associate Anakin Skywalker. And we're going to talk about the characters next week, but the, the week after when we have our, our, our next show. We're going to get into the micro aspect of the philosophy, practice, and path of the Jedi and the Sith. But for right now, people look at Anakin Skywalker and they say, oh my goodness, that is Satan. That is the angel of light fallen from heaven due to his pride. Well, sure, you can plot that course, but that course was already plotted a long time ago before Anakin Skywalker. In the fiction... There were people, as we talked about before, there were, there were aspects within the, the, the order who found that they could connect and commune with the Force, not through peace and benevolence, but through emotion and passion, or passion and power. And they were astounded when they were given insight into a whole new vast resource of power, different abilities, different insights, a whole different well of understanding and experience. Well, what happened is that this group of people, this group of individuals, this small group of individuals, shared what they were discovering with themselves. And in secret, they developed, they practiced, they perfected, and then they came to their masters and they questioned. They said, we discovered through anger, through passion, desire, through emotion, that we could tap into these aspects of the force and we can do these, we can, we can harness these abilities. Is this wrong? And their masters told them, of course this is wrong. This is outside the tenet of the Jedi way. This is outside our doctrine. You're supposed to practice a thing this way. This is the way we're supposed to commune with a thing, and you are doing the complete opposite of that. Well, if there is an opposite, how can that be wrong? Well, it's wrong because it's not the right way. Well, they didn't take this as an answer. They refused to stop practicing when they were mandated, when they were told to stop practicing these dark ways. And these dark followers said, no, we're going to continue to do this because we think that information is being withheld. Knowledge is being, is being hoarded. So we're going to understand on our own. So they went and they continued in practice until they were discovered, and a great schism ha- took place within the Jedi Order, a great battle between brothers and fathers and all that other stuff. A great fight took place, and followers of, that dark, of those dark ways were cast out of the Order. Well, we look at that story and we can clearly we can we can clearly attach that to the battle in heaven. Because there was one person in that that dark group who heralded the prestige and power and radiated the light as Lucifer did and he led the 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 what was to him a conviction, a crusade of knowledge that was just basically slapped in the face by the by his masters. They were cast out, and they were... It's this interesting thing, too, guys. They were, he, he, his group, this group was cast out, and they were sent into exile. They put them on a ship, and they sent... They just put it on autopilot and sent them into the unknown regions. We also see this represented in the fall of Satan. 
Satan was cast out, and he was cast to earth right about the time where God's new creations, man and woman, were starting to explore their new world. And I never really understood that. I never really understood why God would cast his greatest enemy on into the plane where his greatest creations resided. So when we look at this, we look at the Sith, we look at the Sith, how the Sith came, to, well, we look at how the dark side came to be practiced. And we talk about how, who's right, who's wrong. And we talk about, you know, which, which, percep- well, which perception and which practice is, is just and unjust. Chaos, since you are the, the resident dark side on this panel, let me just ask you this. When you look at that history... Was it any wonder why the Sith would come back to try to destroy the Jedi? And did they have cause? Were they right when the Jedi turned away from them and failed them, failed to explain to them and show them and teach those dark Jedi exactly why it is that they practiced and believed what they did? So does the, does the Sith have a, a, a legitimate gripe, or were they just a bunch of spoiled light side users who just really wanted to play in a dirty sandbox? What do you think? Depends on which side of the fence you're standing. I can argue both sides. Um, really, uh, you know, I, I remember reading it somewhere. Each organization breathes or sows the seeds of its own destruction. Right? So, instead of working in conjunction with these people who are... First off, okay, if I have a student who is fucking up... Um, or, or, or is harming themselves, which it's debatable whether they were. But we'll just say for the fact I know somebody's hurting themselves. Um, it's not my job to say, stop it. You know, quit doing that. Stop it. You know, especially yeah. if I don't understand what they're doing to hurt themselves. What I should be doing is trying to understand what they're doing, see if it's hurting them, see if it's bad. Um, maybe I could help them if I'm observing it, but to say stop it, because that's not what we do. I mean, all right, when you have the first philosophers coming in and starting the studies of the Force and stuff, right, I mean, they all agreed, essentially. They all had to come to some sort of consensus on this is okay, and this is not okay. Or maybe they didn't even have a this is not okay until the dark siders started something. Then they're like, whoa, 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 we're not doing that. But rather than come to an understanding with them, they said, stop it, we're not going to do it. And they're, gonna, they're like, well, why? It doesn't matter why. This is not what we do. Well, you're not giving us a we. You're giving us a you and us and them scenario. So when you start an us and them scenario, you're going to breed defensiveness. And we're like, well, what the okay. hell? We don't, we're, we're, we're just getting into this. And, and uh, they did the responsible thing. They came to others and said, look what we got. Would you like to see it? We're not quite sure, but we think we're tapping into something pretty good here. You know, maybe something yep. useful. They're like, no, not at all. And and where does that get you? That just breeds ignorance, fear, and, um, well, like I said, they want to destroy each other simply because the other exists. Okay. Okay, and basically with that, the, the Jedi sowed their own, their own fate. Okay. Uh, David, what do you think? I don't know that much about uh, science oh, fiction. Okay. I've never read anything. Charles is biting at the bit, though. Okay, Charles, what do you think? Yes, sir, I certainly am. All right. <laughs> um, 
to back up just a teeny bit, you got to look at first the uh, evolution into Sithism that happens within the fiction. You start out okay. with the Jedi, and that's all there is at first, at least in terms of major Force users. And then you have the Dark Jedi, which are the Jedi that embrace passion. And those were the ones that were put on a little itty-bitty ship and sent into the farthest reaches. Now, the planet they stumble across is the planet of the Sith. And what changes is that at first, you got to realize, they weren't just put in a ship and told, go. They were given the option, it was this or die. It was really, you know, a war was fought. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, and they said, all right, we obviously, you know, can't make our world here. Um, We'll take life over death, of course. So they basically transported them to a planet that was hospitable, that was strong in the force, and they had a lot of life, so they knew they'd be able to survive. And they said, all right, guys, you're here. There's no way off. Have at it. Well, they did have at it. They took the planet over. But they learned from the people there not only how to channel passion, but um, honestly, they learned ritualistic mentality. They learned enchantments and things of that nature. And really, the the struggle between the Jedi and the Sith then becomes one of self-control versus complete lack of self-control. Because when you start ritualizing those kind of emotions, it becomes very powerful and very overwhelming. And if you never ground out, of course you're going to get out of control. So by the time we see the Sith in the movies, they have had hundreds of thousands of years or whatever to really integrate this mentality, this very ritual, very the strong survive. And that was the Sith mentality, only the strongest survive. You know, the Dark Jedi would have been happy just to have been Dark Jedi and rulers of everything because they knew best. But with the Sith, now you've got that mentality, but you've also got, you know, survival of the fittest thrown in there, too. So and you've got only the right and only the powerful rule. You're absolutely and, right. And yep. only only the strong deserve to survive. It's not just that the strong survive, but it's you're either strong enough to kill me or you're weak enough that I can use you as a tool, as the mentality. And it's part of the religious practice. It's not that they're just passionate force users, because at the time, there was nothing against passionate force users. It was the type of passion that they used. And it was that that passion, married with that ideology, created that so-called Sith ideal. And the, the thing is, if you look at just the Dark Jedi, it was simply that their method was too disruptive to the Jedi Order. They had to be removed for the good of themselves, for the good of the Force, and for the good of the people. They understood that, but they weren't going to change their methods either. When you marry that with, with the Sithism that came from conquering that planet, you now have a group of people that the Jedi had not considered could come into existence. Because, yeah, dark Jedi are bad, but they're still Jedi. They still believe in right. They still believe in wrong. They still believe in helping people. But they're going to help people through force. It's kind of like, um, if you're, if let's say you're having a drinking problem, a light Jedi will try to help you find a better path. You know, he'll, he'll, uh, this is very simple example. Um, very real world example. You know, he'll help you try to find a better solution. He'll help you try to break that addiction. 
you're having a drinking problem, a dark Jedi, he'll cut your hand off, and then you won't be drinking with that hand. Guaranteed, works every time. You know, I think he will stop you. I think that no, I think you know, I I I'm glad I'm glad that you you had mentioned you had you had talked about you know the the you know the uh, the anatomy of the Sith because I you know for time for time purposes I'm trying to you know kind of keep it summarized but it's good it's good to have somebody else who understands that philosophy because interestingly we talk about the Jedi and how they married themselves with the Republic the Sith the Sith the Jedi Order the Jedi became a Jedi Order and the Sith became the Sith Empire but the Sith never really married themselves to a great political body they entered into leagues with other great um, and powerful um, uh, organizations such as the Mandalorians and you know countless others, and have tried to take a you know have, have have had several bids at you know taking out the Jedi Order and the Republic. This has been a lot of fun talking about this. We're really on reserve, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to stop this now. We've we've we basically, in summary, touched on the on the overview of. The the Jedi and Sith philosophies we've touched as 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 organizations we've touched on their mission we've touched on their philosophy we touched on their practice their path next show we're going to go ahead and get into the micro aspect of it we're going to talk about some of the most we're going to talk about some of the characters and how the 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 group philosophies of either the Jedi and the Sith uh, in 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 league with basic psychology and philosophy and individual character has either been uh, a blessing or a complete a complete uh hell has been a complete hell on earth and and how these things correlate with so many real world it's there's, there's so many real world correlations it's just innumerable to, to even this is just just with some of the characters. So we're going to we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into a lot of the character and a lot of the uh a lot of uh, interesting things that these characters have um you know cuz they're they're modeled after so many different people in history and so many different um representation in literature. It's going to be a really good show. For I want to thank Chaos. I want to thank Charles even though he was late SOB, but I'm glad he was I'm glad he made it to the show. <laughs> David Master Edge, Master, Master, the Knights of Awakening for producing this show. Um, I was hoping for a better turnout, but you know, nine eleven, that kind of happens, you know. Um, and and you know what? That's fine. That's that's fine. Um, no, no, no problem there. Uh, next show, we're going to continue the the Jedi versus the Sith back to basics, except we're going to get right into the meat of it. We're going to discuss. And we're going to debate, and hopefully we'll get some impassioned arguments over some of the characters and their interpretations of the philosophy, practice, and path of the Jedi in the Sith way and how they correlate with so many different uh, uh, historical figures and culture. So have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, and we'll see you then.